Happy Fourth of July weekend. Uh, I agree with the words of Ronald Reagan, who said, You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us, we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. Thank you for that underscore. It was a good, perfect moment. Um, the reason I like that is because freedom is precious, and freedom is hard to earn, but it is easy to lose. And so uh, we do celebrate our country uh, because of the freedom that we have, but of course the greatest hope on earth is the hope we have in Christ and in Him alone. So I want to pray today as we start. God, we just give you thanks for the ability to worship in freedom. We give you the thanks for the opportunity to come together and to be free. And pray, God, for our country. Pray for, pray for those who uh, struggle today with, um, maybe, maybe they don't feel free. Or maybe, God, there are those who feel um, they're afraid in some way, or uh, they're fearful of what's happening with uh, the pandemic or other things. And God, we pray for division, the racial division within our country, God, that you would once again unite us together. Lord, we just thank you for just the opportunity together as a country to be able to, to find hope and unity and, and uh, to find peace together. Lord, thank you for loving us, thank you for today, and thank you for the opportunity to celebrate Christ, who is our ultimate hope. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, five years ago, uh, we bought an ice cream van for our church. I thought this would be a great idea to go into the neighborhoods and maybe underprivileged neighborhoods and offer free ice cream for children. And over the years, people have told me uh, from church, hey, we'd be happy to get you to get together with you or to help you on it. And uh, and but it just never came about. And so this ugly van was sitting outside of our church for quite a while until someone told me that's a creeper van. You shouldn't have it on your church property. And so it has been sitting at my house for the last five years, just looking like that. Uh, and uh, and that's where what it's been. And so two weeks ago or so, Lisa said, hey, we have a party coming up at church. You should get that van done. And I was like, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that. And so I've never done a lot of this. My dad used to do body work, but I started doing filler and all this, a lot of elbow grease. I, I like basically skipped a week of work, so I was 12 hours a day on this, on this van. Josh is like, where is he? But I didn't want to tell Josh where I was because I wanted a, a moment of surprise, you know? I was like getting ready for Christmas, and, and so I started getting it ready, and then eventually we painted it, and this is what, now they say you're supposed to put paper on it, like to keep the, I didn't have anything else, so I put Christmas paper on it, so that's what it looked like at my house, and uh, anyway, then eventually we finished this thing, and, but on the day that I was painting it, anybody know, 
once you make a mistake, it's easy to keep making mistakes, especially when you try to cover that mistake. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And in the morning, I was trying to rush to paint because it was going to be raining. And so I put the paint gun together and I started to spray and immediately drips started coming from the gun. Now, I didn't realize this till about 7 o'clock at night. There was a little piece in there that was just off a little bit that if I would have just taken a few more moments to lock that thing in there, I would have had no drips. But I didn't do that, and I was spraying, and I was trying to like just throw the drips off with every movement. I'd throw them off to try to get it to not land on my paint. But once it did land on my paint, I made another mistake by wiping it off. That, I learned, probably wasn't a good thing. And and then I tried to sand it down and work it all down again once it dried a little. And then I thought, well, I need some more primer to fill it in. And so I sprayed that on there, and it had a chemical reaction with the paint, and it became like an old man's skin, all wrinkly and all nasty, and I had to, like, scrape that off. This went on all day. I mean, just moment after moment after moment, mistake after mistake after mistake. And, and I kept trying to correct them, and at one point, I just took a rag, and I, I smacked the back of the van. I'm like, what the heck? Like, what's going on? This is ridiculous. I can't get this. But I had to get it done. Sunday's coming, right? And we were going to have it out there. So I kept doing this. Finally, later in the day, I took that gun. I put it all back together because I was going to do a final thing. But I didn't put a piece in there right, and it exploded back on me and on the van hundreds of little dots of paint all over this van that I then had to wait to dry. I shot myself in the stomach at one point with the gun, sprayed all over me. I wiped acetone all over my body thinking that would get it off. That's not a great reaction. Acetone on skin does not feel good. I assure you, mistake after mistake after mistake. Finally got it all finished, and it was Saturday night, and I told Lisa, I was like, let's go get a freezer She'd already told me earlier in the day, when you go get that freezer, I was like, I know, I know. Um, it'll be fine. They'll have one. I get there just before closing at Lowe's. Guess what? No freezer. I'm like, okay, that's fine. She's all stressed out. She's like, oh, no, we're not going to have it. We, gotta have, we can't have an ice cream truck without freezer. I was like, ah, chillax. It'll be fine. Like, I'm going to get up in the morning, and I'll just go, right? I was preaching in Middletown last weekend. I said, I'll just go at 8 o'clock Middletown Lowe's. I'll drive the ice cream truck over there, plug the freezer in. We'll have ice cream for kids. It's all going to be good. But guess what? No freezer in Middletown either. So then I leave there, and I drive up north to go to Dayton. This is all Sunday morning. I'm driving north, and as I'm going, it's starting to overheat. The, the, the thing like, is coming on, and now I hear it boiling. I'm hearing it boiling. I'm thinking, this is not a good thing, okay? I'm not a mechanic, but I know this is not positive. But I get to Lowe's in Dayton. Guess what? No freezer. I get like, and then I call Menards, no freezer. Home Depot, no freezer. I have to preach soon. Westchester had one. So I got back in the van, started taking off, and I was like, Jesus, you're going to have to take this wheel because I don't think it's going to get down to Westchester. And sure enough, the temperature gauge started going, and it, somehow it broke loose. Maybe my thermostat, someone told me later. I think Chick, he's been working on it with me. He's like, uh, I think maybe your thermostat unlocked. And sure enough, it was great. I went down there. They had a freezer. I picked it up. They were like, do you need help? I was like, nope. Picked it up, threw it in there, undid it, plugged it in. And by the afternoon, uh, when we were ready out here, we had ice cream ready to go. And it was all exciting and all put together. But, but here is something that is so important. I want you to know this, the life lesson, okay? I want to tell everybody in here, life lesson. 
uh, if you have an ice cream truck that you're working on all week, the most important element of an ice cream truck is the freezer. Does anybody know what I'm saying? So don't neglect the most important thing, okay? That's the lesson I learned. And when you make a mistake, it's better just to fix that mistake and then move on. Now, that illustration is going to help me set up the talk today. But one of the things we've been praying for in our church is renewal, revival, right? In our lives, that God would somehow use all of what's happening in our culture, all of the discussion, the conversation, all of the tension even, all of what divides us, all of even, uh, even our thoughts about the pandemic, that all of this would somehow God would turn it and would bring about revival and renewal. But you can't have an ice cream truck without a freezer, and you cannot have renewal, you cannot have revival without forgiveness. It's critical. It's essential. It is an essential component to, to renewal in our lives is forgiveness. And, 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 and I, I, we're in this series called One Another, and today is Forgive One Another. Listen to Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You have to forgive. And I'm going to use a little outline today. Joy, Jesus, others, you, you've heard it before. It's a real simple outline, but it's not always simple to do. Jesus, Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Notice the word in Christ. Jesus is the true and only way to receive forgiveness. Through his death, we can be forgiven from our sin. His death was an atoning death. That meant you owed a price for your sin, the death price, and God, in his love, sent Christ to pay the price for our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus could have escaped the cross. A lot of times he even thought about it. In regard to Gethsemane, he thought about it. What would it be like to escape the cross? In fact, there were other moments where people tried to kill him. But he avoided those moments because his time had not yet come. Pilate said to him one time, Do you realize I have power to either free you or crucify you? And Jesus responded, You would have no power over me except given to you from above. So Jesus, at just the right moment, gave up his life on the cross. And on the cross, even in the midst of people crucifying him, he looked at them and said these words, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus' death was substitutionary. He chose to die at the right time. He was the perfect Son of God, given in our place to die for us. Mark 15, 33 reads, At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, all the sins of the world, all of your sin, all of my sin was placed on him. All of it. So, so not just someone else's, your sin. He became guilty of lies and greed and lust and murder and selfishness and hatred. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Hell is complete separation of God from, from God. You ever been lonely? You ever been completely depressed? Felt nobody cared for you? God didn't love you, all of that. 
Jesus experienced every emotion on the cross, every pain on the cross. The Bible says, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone our own way. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He took our payment for our sin. In the uh, classic tale, uh, Charles Dickens' tale, A Tale of Two Cities, Sidney Carton died for Charles Darnay. The young Frenchman had been condemned to die by the guillotine, but when Carton learned of the plight of his friend, he determined to save him by laying down his own life. He saved him primarily because of his, fam- his, friend, his French family. He, he wanted to extend life to them. And before he went to take places with his friend, he went, before he went there, he, he went and sat in the daughter of his friend in her room and, and looked as she slept at the light of, of day coming. And he began to see that light in that bedroom, and he was led by the light of love, it said, but it led him to death. Before he died, he said, there is a far, far better thing that I do tonight than I have ever done before. And he went into the prison and went into the dungeon, and he took the garments from his friend, put him on himself, put the hood on himself, and then he died for his friend. Friends, Jesus Christ was led by the light of love for a man and for a woman and for children, and it led him to the cross. He came into the dungeon of this world, put on our soiled garments of sin, that we might wear his robe of righteousness, and now we are free. Romans chapter 5 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ offers forgiveness. His forgiveness has no strings attached, no ulterior motives, no hidden agendas. It is not for his benefit, it is for our benefit and ours alone. Christ came, lived, ministered, and then died. To a paralyzed man in Mark 2, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. To an adulterous woman in John 8, he said, neither do I condemn you. Now go, leave your life of sin. And while the perfect Lamb of God was dying on a cross, he said to even those who condemned him, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So Jesus Christ gave his very best for us. Adolf Kors one time said, If man's greatest need would have been from pleasure, God would have sent an entertainer. If man's greatest need would have been for money, he would have sent a financial consultant. If man's greatest need would have been information, he would have sent an educator. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that God's greatest need, or that man's greatest need, was forgiveness. And he sent a Savior. Romans 8, chapter 1 says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to sit on that for a moment. That, that Christ forgave you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, Christ offers that forgiveness. And it's on that basis that then we are able to forgive other people. Listen to what Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Not just good things that you give, but bad things. The Bible says this is the golden rule. 
If you want good things to happen, you do good things for others. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And he said, forgive and you will be forgiven. So when you treat somebody poorly, it often is returned to you. But when you treat someone with love, it's often returned to you. So understand that principle and extend grace, forgiveness. Now today, even in your mind right now, there might be somebody in your life that you know I need to extend forgiveness to. And by the way, forgiveness is not dependent upon their sorry. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them, they don't even know what they're doing. Jesus is our model, our example, right? Nobody said, I'm sorry, Jesus, that we're crucifying you. And Jesus then therefore said, okay, you're forgiven. No, it wasn't dependent upon that. It was only merely dependent upon his decision to forgive that person. It didn't mean that he had to trust. It didn't mean that you have to trust the one who is, who is against you. It doesn't mean you have to trust them. But forgiveness relieves you of the burden. Jesus said, I, I want you to put up the sword. He said, he that lives by the sword dies by the sword. And there are those of you who, because you felt oppressed or defeated in some way, that now you wield that sword against other people, that sword of unforgiveness. Jesus said, if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. So don't try to be a conqueror. Don't try to defeat someone else. Be more than a conqueror. What is more than a conqueror? It doesn't mean you try to get back at somebody. It doesn't mean you try to fight your own way. It means you forgive. By love, you change your enemy to a friend, and suddenly your enemy becomes a brother. And even if you don't change your enemy, you neutralize your enemy. And that's great. You say, I'm, I forgive you. And if they won't accept it, in your own mind, say you forgive them. Let go of that burden. Some of you want to really you want you like to win that argument you like to fight so much you want to win an argument and, and listen i have won arguments and lost the war i've won the battle i've made a good point and i've lost the war and when i walk away there is an emptiness inside so you have to learn to to want to conquer somebody's heart you have to learn to offer forgiveness to them nobody has the right to hate somebody nobody Nobody has the right to try to get back at somebody. Nobody has the right to try to, to try to wound somebody else because you have been wounded. Some of you in this room, maybe you, were, you faced abuse as a child. And maybe because of that, now you are wounding other people in your life. That's not okay. Forgive. Forgive. Maybe your parents never will change. Maybe your parents have already gone on uh, to the next life. But you're still holding on to bitterness. You're still holding on to grudges. Maybe in your past, maybe with your heritage, maybe your background, maybe those in your heritage were oppressed in some way. And I'm just encouraging you, forgive. 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 Why? Because Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. By the same measure that you forgive somebody else, that's the measure you're going to be forgiven by. So right now, I just want you to think about that person or those people in your life, that maybe right now you need to say, you know what, I really don't feel like it. I don't want to. But I know this, that my lack of forgiveness is causing me problems. It's causing me problems, and it's causing them. And so I want to forgive them. It's one of the most difficult things. And then finally, don't just forgive others, forgive yourself. It's one of the hardest things to do. The Bible said, Jesus paid the price for your sins once and for all. 
There is no longer any sacrifice needed for sins. My friends, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he said, he said it's finished, meaning it's complete, it's done. Total redemption. I have taken care of all of their sins. But some of you guys, you would say, you know what? Jesus can forgive everybody else, but I'm sure he doesn't forgive me. You remember that one time back in 1988? Boy, if I had just had to do that over again. Anybody ever thought that? Some of you guys were like, no, because I wasn't even alive in 1988, which is really sad, by the way. Really sad. I got my AARP. Did you guys see that? I posted on Facebook. Um, I know. And it says, uh, it actually wasn't an AARP card. It was like, if you become a member, you get something. And, and you know what? If I had become a member of the AARP, it came with a nice little card that said, you get a tote. I was like, I never wanted a tote before, but now I do. I'm like, I might tote some groceries around in this thing. It wasn't a backpack. It was a tote. So I don't know. Maybe I'll become a member, I'm thinking now. But I don't know. Anyway, when, when we think about this kind of stuff, we think, man, if I would have just done this different in the past, whether it be 1998 or 1988 or 2008, whatever that date was, say, well, if I would have just done that differently. Well, listen, your past can be erased. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 said, said, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Jesus said, I, I'll forget them. So forgive yourself. So many of us with foolish things in our lives. But it's in the, and you say, well, man, I, I wish I could just get over that. Work past it. I think sometimes people don't get past the past because sometimes they think, well, forgiveness just doesn't make any sense. Back in the 1880s, in Newark, Ohio, there was a man named Neil Johnston. And Johnston was known to others as a, uh, as, as a man who was a good man, but he had a bad temper. And one day he got into an argument with his neighbor over a property line. And that dispute led to the two of them kind of in a real fight. And that fight in which Johnston ended up killing his neighbor. He was sentenced to life in prison at the Ohio State Penitentiary. That was back in the days where life actually meant life. And uh, each month, his family would make a journey from Newark to Columbus to visit him. And over the years, Johnston had shown remorse for his actions, and he had gained the respect of the inmates along with those who worked at the prison. And back then, there was a custom out of the state of Ohio that each Christmas, the governor would release one prisoner upon the recommendation of the warden. And of course, those who were in for life were never seriously considered. But on Christmas morning, nearly 12 years from the time of the, of the murder uh, of this other individuals, all of the inmates quietly filled the room. And when the name was writ, read, the warden said, Neil Johnston. There was no response. Again, the warden said, Neil Johnston, would you come to the front? Nobody stepped forward. The warden began walking through the rows, searching for Johnston, until he found a man on his kneel, knees, leaning against a wall, sobbing. It was Neil Johnston. He kept saying one phrase over and over, there must be some mistake, there must be some mistake. The warden put his hand on his shoulder and said, there's no mistake, Neil. The pardon is real. The pardon is real. And some of us, we feel like that. Well, there's got to be some mistake. That forgiveness has got to be for somebody else. It's not for me. There's no way that God would look at my sin and forgive me. And sometimes people will ask me then, well, Stephen, um, you, God, God can forgive other people, but he, he won't forgive me. And they'll say that. And I'll say, well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the cross of Christ was limited well what do you mean do you think it was limited or do you think it was complete no i think it was complete do you think that god's forgiveness 
and his payment on the cross was complete or he, he just didn't quite get there. He didn't quite forgive the sins of the world, you know. What do you think? They said, well, no, I think it was complete. I said, then why do you think that it's complete for everybody else but you? Why do you feel like it's complete for everybody else but you? And I think the reason people feel that way is because the devil keeps reminding us of our past all the time. And he tells us, this is what you did. He tells you all the time. He reminds us of our past. I like what uh, one preacher said. He said, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. And I think that's a pretty good idea. Because sometimes we feel so overburdened by the things we did. But Jesus Christ's death was perfect. He covered all of the sins of those in the world and those who claim him as king. Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. So don't torture yourself thinking he can forgive everybody else but me. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us from all unrighteousness. So where are you today? Where are you today? Some of you, uh, you need to look at the forgiveness of Christ and realize that it was complete. Realize it was a complete and total forgiveness. His forgiveness was for all people, everywhere. Every right, race, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. His forgiveness was for everyone. All we needed to do was receive that gift. Then we extend that forgiveness to others. And who is it in your life today that you need to say, I need to forgive them? And maybe I say it, maybe I don't tell them. Maybe I hold it personally. But who is it in your life that you need to forgive today? Who is it that you need to say, I need to let that go? And then finally, maybe some of you guys need to let go and forgive yourself. Maybe you need to say, God, just give me the ability to walk past this, to forgive myself. God, I want to be whole again, and Christ wants that for you. I'll never forget the old gentleman in a church that I served one time. He was a double amputee. And uh, I, I went to see him a couple weeks after his surgery. He said, my legs hurt so bad. I said, they, they amputated your legs. And I wondered why he kept saying his legs hurt. And I came to find out that his body was aching and longing for wholeness. And friends, listen, Christ wants you to experience that wholeness. No matter what scars you have, no matter marks you have in your past, he wants you to experience the wholeness that only he can give. And that comes by accepting and receiving his forgiveness. So today, as I close, I'm just going to pray that we, would, that we would do that. God, I pray today and thank you so much for the forgiveness that you offer in Christ. Lord, so many of us make mistake upon mistake. And when we make that one mistake and we try to rub that out and we, try to make another, we make another mistake. And it just builds upon itself. It leads to frustration. And so, God, I just pray that when we think about the forgiveness that Christ offers, Lord, that we would receive that forgiveness. Lord, that we'd be open to, to knowing that that forgiveness was whole and complete. And God, allow us then to forgive others, those who've hurt us, those who've wounded us in some way. Allow us to extend that grace to other people. And not hold on to those grudges, those burdens. And God, then I pray that then we'd be able to forgive ourselves. To realize that when you, when you died on the cross, you died for all of our sins. Not just part of them. All of them. Everything we've ever done. Everything we've ever become. 
So God, I pray for wholeness again today. I pray that we would once again come back in relationship with you, receive that grace and forgiveness. And God, that we would know that you have the power to heal. You have the power to redeem. You have the power to forgive. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. We pray this together in the name of Christ. Amen.